0: This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio.
1: I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it, would, it, it If that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
0: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
2: Achievement or a new milestone, they don't just be like, Hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no. no like...
0: Now... To your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in another edition Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Of course, we are brought to you by SeatGeek and Blue Apron. If you're using the promo code RSB for SeatGeek, you'll get a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase. Of course, it makes it easy for you to get tickets to any of your games. Uh, they do all the work for you, so you're just going to have to find the lowest deal they have for you, um, and it saves a lot of time. So use that promo code RSB, as well as, of course, Blue Apron. If you go to blueapron.com, black backslash beat you get... Three free meals for free, as well as free shipping. Uh, so again, go, go to that link now and, and give you those three, first three meals. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes, as well as you're listening to you on Stitcher, uh, whether you're through Twitter links, whatever you are. We're glad you're joining us this week. Um, Just Thomas, Lauren Cale, and myself, full crew back. What's going on, everyone?
2: Same old, same old, ready for another week. <laughs> and hopefully the Red Sox can hold on to this lead that they have on the Royals right now
1: jared i'm honored that you said my name first
2: you don't want like to change things <laughs> up
0: so depending on the mood i mean when when i talk to you jess you know it just depends um Glad i can never really be mad at more so it's really just a matter of how i feel about you
1: all right well it sounds like i'm in good shape tonight so
0: <laughs> you are
1: and you are happy to be in it
0: and we're going to enjoy jess this week because he, he's going camping one last time before the summer really is over next week so um Really enjoyed Jess this week, just taking everything he says and realize everything he says about Clay Buckles is just idiotic, because we're going to talk about Clay Buckles tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll talk about Clay Buckles, of course, we'll talk about a lot. Uh, Justin McJoy was just amazing. Um, A lot of things going on. um, And there's one piece of news that we didn't touch on last week that I think we should, because it's kind of a big deal, um, but we'll get to that a little later in the show. But first, like always, uh, Jess Thomas is going to get you caught up on the week uh, and get you caught up in how the Red Sox did um, over the last, since our last show.
1: All right, well, it uh, started on Monday with a nice, fat four-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays, oh. and it started off great on Monday, a uh, 6-2 win over the Rays, David Price pitched very well, uh, eight innings, two hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, he was bailed out to give up no runs by Andrew Benintendi with a fantastic catch in the left field, Robin the Ray Steven a Jr. of a two-run homer. It's a great catch. If you haven't seen it, That's uh, you should. What, Steven Sousa Jr.?
0: Yeah, his whole name.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. if you haven't seen the replay, check it out. It was a great catch by Ben Um Xander Bogart had a two-run homer in this game. It was 6 nothing going to the bottom of the ninth. Matt Barnes gave up a two-run homer to Evelyn Goria right at the end but he didn't completely ruin David Price's game because we won 6-2. to two. Bogart's two hits, two RBI, two runs, and a two-run homer, as I said. Um, this is just a good game, good way to start off the road trip. Blake Snell struggled, and David Price pitched as we hoped he would.
0: Yeah, David Price, I think, guys, is slowly earning his value back. <laughs> um, obviously, it was against the Rays, but I think the last few starts now, uh, we've been talking about it for a few weeks, um, looks better. Uh, he's finally looking like an ace that we all know he can be. Um, so it's actually a good sign coming into these, end of August, going into the final month of the season uh, to really push and hopefully with its division.
2: Yeah, it's definitely comforting to see him pitch, like you said, Jared, like an ace on the mound. He looks more comfortable. and The consistency is is getting better. He's going deeper into games, and he just something that we've been wanting from him all season. And it's hopefully with this playoff push coming up, we really need him to be this kind of pitcher.
1: And even though he said, even though it was against the Rays, true, but he's pitched terribly against the Rays. So <laughs> that's a good a good sign that he finally actually pitched well against them. Uh, it's about time. So that was a good start start to the series. It, the series continued on Tuesday when the other ace, Clay Blackhold <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Stop it. Well, he pitched this game and he did pitch like an ace. He went six and a third, five hits, one run, two walks and nine strikeouts. Only threw 94 pitches in six and a third innings. Another good start. That was three in a row, plus five good bullpen appearances, which is good for less than a two ERA in those eight appearances, which is all and more you can ask for, especially with how he's pitched this year. So he pitched great. The offense gave, got a just enough against Chris Archer in this game. It's a two-one win, two-one final. Both runs were in the third inning for the Sox. David Ortiz RBI single, Mookie Betts RBI single, uh, and that's all he needed. Just the one run for against Buckholz. Um, Archer pitched better than he basically ever has against the Sox because he's been terrible against this this year and pretty much his whole career. He's now seven and seventeen this year. Buckholtz got the win. He's five and nine. The bullpen was solid. Ross Jr., Ziegler, Kimbrell, all with scoreless scoreless appearances. Um, combining for two and two-thirds innings between the three of them. Um, yeah, I mean, not much to say in this game, not much offense, just Clay Buckles. Yeah, Just there, Clay
0: Buckholz. Uh, <laughs> awful. Um, there wasn't a lot of offense. Obviously, the Red Sox didn't win this game. It wasn't Clay Buckholz's fault, by any means. Um, but I think it's just it's just hard for me to admit that he did well, but he did. Um, he pitched well, I think, but I think um, him doing well these last couple of games, especially this one, too, um... It's more of just a scenario where he had some pressure taken off him. I think that earlier in the year, we'll, I mean, we'll get into the a little bit more, but I think earlier in the year when he didn't get put on the DL with a phantom stint because he admitted he wasn't hurt, um, really helped him because it took the training wheels off and kind of didn't let the Red Sox coddle him.
2: Yeah, and it's actually, it's funny that you say not a lot of offense. In a game where Clay Buckles pitched because he's been, you know, known to give up runs and a lot of runs, and, and we and we and we can't seem to score when he's on the mound. So it was nice that even though we still couldn't score when he was on the mound, he could come through and get a, another solid outing and really just bail us out when we need a, that starting pitcher because it's such a void in our in our rotation. And he came in and just filled it and. Filled it for another solid start in a row. So Jared, and I know you don't like to hear, but me and Jess love it. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, to to win a two to one game with Buckholtz on the mound, you never thought you'd hear that earlier in the season. So
0: even this anyone was, on the mound, because it's not like they've been winning close games all year, even without him on the mound. So it's, it was a nice sight to see, just to at least be in close games, and they've been doing well um, in close games. So it was nice to at least see them in a close game, especially with Clay Buckholtz pitching.
1: Yeah. So two wins to start the series, which was fantastic. Unfortunately, the last two games of the series weren't as good as the beginning of the series. Um, Really close series. I mean, overall, with the 2-1 win on Tuesday, and then both of these last two games were one-run losses. We'll start with Wednesday, the first loss of the series. This one was in 11 innings. Um, This game was ridiculous in many ways, um, mostly because of the end. But first of all, David Ortiz did his 30th home run of the season, which made him the oldest player ever to hit 30 home runs in a season, passing Ted Williams. So before I finish with this game, let's hear it for Ortiz.
2: Woo.
0: Yeah, David.
2: (laughs) It's, it's, it's so great to see him just continuing to have such a monster season. I know we have something to say about him every week, but I mean, this is just another record, another milestone that he's going to add to, to his book into this amazing season. And, I don't, i'll say it every single week i really don't want him to retire
0: do you guys think that david ortiz has a is is in the running for mvp or are Mookie betts and altuve kind of running away with the option there
1: no i think he's still very much very much at it. his numbers haven't gone anywhere
2: yeah no doubt i think it's going to be an interesting last month month and a half and then especially for that mvp race i think it's going to be very interesting to watch and See how David Ortiz continues to produce and even El Tuve and and Bets too.
1: As much as Bets may deserve it, the fact that Ortiz is still doing it and his numbers are still as incredible as they are in another 30 100 season and average way way above 300 up at 320 right now and how many 41 doubles and everything he has it's I'm sorry, he's right in it and to be that close to it in your final season at forty years old, especially after having the career he's had, doing this in your last year when you've never won a regular season MVP, that would just be the most magical thing if he actually won it. It would be great. Be... And honestly, honestly, I'm rooting for it. I still want to it to happen.
2: And it's it's funny to think you know he has 41 doubles and he's a guy who doesn't run very well. And I I still think I think 41 doubles is, is a lot for somebody like him who's not very a very strong base runner and he That's still a put. He's got some triples too. Like he's just doing it all this season.
1: <laughs> he they said on the radio tonight if he could actually run, he would probably have like fifty five doubles right now.
2: Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane.
1: <laughs> what's what's the most? Didn't didn't I hear somewhere the most for a single season is sixty three? I think. Like yeah, in the, of the league. Yeah, I, yeah, I come close to that. Yeah, he's not going to be far from that. And if he could run, he probably would have the record in his final season. It would oh, be just. So, it would be so so perfect if he won MVP. I really hope. I don't. You know. Even if maybe Altuve's numbers are a little more crazy or whatever, I don't care. Get, it's the guy's last season. I. I'm sorry. You got to look at that too. With the season he's had, this is not even close. Hundred percent. Not even a contest. The best season that anyone's ever had in their final season. There's no no question about that. I don't care.
0: I mean, you're probably right. It's just a matter of. does no, I am I mean, right.
1: <laughs> I think that you're probably right. There's no, there's no way in hell that anyone has had this good of a season or last season. There's yeah, but does that no mean way? He's,
0: the, the biggest thing is, and I agree with you in the sense that he deserves it. But does that mean that because it's the best final season someone's had, it's the best season if one worthy of the MVP? And that's the argument where that comes in. I think it's worthy, obviously, and we want him to win. But like, who? Who's yeah, if you look at the who's not to say that Mookie Betts should have it over David Ortiz or Altuve. You know, it's just, it's going to be a tight race all the way through. It's going to be intriguing to see how all three of those guys play down the stretch, especially for Houston, who isn't really a good team. If it wasn't for Altuve, that team would be down the dumps.
1: Well, if it's, if it is super close at the end, it's like literally like could go either way. Why wouldn't you give it to the guy who's retiring who's had an incredible career, you know? If it's that close. That's true.
2: Yeah, I'm with I'm with Jess on this one. I think if you know numbers are close and if numbers are there, and Ortiz continues to do what he's doing, I don't see I don't see why he wouldn't get it. And nothing not taking away from Altuve and Betts, but no, they're young. They still have plenty of years ahead of them to get an MVP season.
1: Right, and Ortiz doesn't. <laughs> exactly,
2: <laughs> he's got to see about a month, what, a month, six weeks left, something like that.
1: Right, every F L two it goes on a tear and hits like 400 for the season, like Rages' is average, like 35, 40 more points, gets the Astros in the playoffs, we don't make the playoffs, all right, then we can then we can have a discussion about it. But if it's anywhere close, I'm sorry. Especially, especially if we're better than them, that's a big difference too. So I really hope we make the playoffs and they don't. Mm-hmm. Very passionate about this, guys.
2: You are, you you, <laughs> you are. That, that's okay.
1: Ooh, good, Altuve's down to 355. He's dropping. Yes.
0: He's, he's down you to 355. Like I think how dumb, dumb that sounds.
1: Yeah, but, all right. Ortiz is first in OPS, 1.037. No one else is above the 1,000 mark. Slugging, he's first, 629. On uh, base percentage, he's sixth. Average, he's ninth. Doubles, first. <laughs> Home runs.
0: Uh, hey, I, never, I never said that he didn't deserve it. Home I'm saying is there's 10. a case
1: for the other guys as well. RBI, fourth. I mean, his numbers so do he's the top, talking.
2: He's top ten in like the major categories.
1: Almost every category. Right. <laughs> so, what do you want? That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
2: I want an MVP award.
1: Yeah, me too. Let's go. All right, so enough of that. But that's <laughs> where I stand. <laughs> um, continue with the recap. Sorry for the, uh, the little side thing there, but I felt in need. So, I really felt in need. So, in this game, uh, he hit his two-run homer, got his 30th. Uh, Stocks were up 3 nothing on Betts' RBI single. Unfortunately, a 3-2 lead took us all the way to the eighth inning when Evan Longoria hit a home run in the eighth inning off Rick Porcello. He was dealing before that. He'd gotten through seven and two-thirds, eight strikeouts, and unfortunately, just one bad pitch in his final inning. He'd thrown like 115 pitches at that point. Threw a ton of pitches for the game. Um, and I guess I left him in just a little bit too long he gave up the home run went into extra innings we went all the way to the 11th inning Heath Hembry was on and the uh, Kevin Kiermaier hit a hit ground ball to first base and the throw went to Hemby. It was right in his glove, and he just completely dropped the ball because of Kiermaier's speed. He was safe. Hemby threw home to get Luke Maley out, and he was going to be out too. The throw was there in time also, and Sandy Leone dropped the ball. So two drop balls in the 11th inning of a game. you were up 3-2 to two in the 8th inning. This was a tough loss. they really could have used this one. I would say probably deserved to win.
2: The, the Red Sox did play better, and it was a frustrating loss, especially a— oh, I hate the one-run losses more than anything, especially in a game like this. It's just, it's frustrating, and when you think that, or when you know, when you watch the game, the Red Sox played better overall, and we lose like that to a team like Tampa Bay, it's just a tough one to swallow.
0: Yeah, it's tough, and obviously we're used to them losing close games, or just the way they lost this game. Um, it wasn't like it was a hard-fought game and they just couldn't come back or anything like that. Like It's just, Ugly baseball to lose on.
1: And we have been playing so well uh, up, up to this game too, also, and just to lose on an error, and this was the third game this season that the Red Sox have lost on an error. That is terrible.
2: Oh, that's that. That's so bad.
1: For as yeah, good of a team bad. as this, for, for as good of a team as this team is, they've had some very strange losses. <laughs> I thought we were past this crap, though. Like,
0: obviously, the the weird things happen in baseball, but like this is beyond weird. This is an error that could have been avoided.
1: I know to have two drop balls on balls that normally, I mean, the one at home play, that's a toss up because, you know, those happen sometimes. They don't happen sometimes. But that's true. most of the time when a guy hits it to first and the pitcher runs over, catches the ball, tags first, you know, that happens probably 95 yeah. out of 100 times.
0: <laughs> it's true. It, it's just, I don't know, it's just frustrating to see a team
1: playing so well to lose like that. I know. Especially against bad teams that you want to beat. So, brings us into Thursday. Last game against the Rays, looking for a three out of four, as I predicted. Um, and it didn't happen, unfortunately, and it really should have. Because once again, I feel like Pomerantz pitched better than Oderizzi. Pomerantz had 11 strikeouts in this game. Rizzy only had four. Uh, six innings, two, uh, two runs, seven hits, one walk, 11 Ks for Pomerantz, career high. Odorizzi pitched seven innings, five hits, one run, three walks, four strikeouts. They both pitched great. Unfortunately, Pomerantz just gave up a run right at the end of his outing in the seventh inning, and to Mikey Matuk, who was over those last 34 when he hit it, that was frustrating. Two to one, final. The Sox just couldn't get a run in the last couple of innings. This was such a pitcher's duel. Um, Pedroia had three hits out of the seven for the Sox, seven for the Rays also. Pedroia was the offensive MVP of this game. But, oh, it's just we were in control the whole time. I mean, Lauren would know well. If she she recapped the game. It was just just a couple hits, and we just couldn't get any offense going.
2: Oh, it was horrible. And, and I know like, I I recapped the game, and it was just like in a I think I think I said it was like my shortest recap ever, just because nothing happened, and except you know Pomerans obviously with the eleven strikeouts, but it's like yeah. I can only say a strikeout every other line for so long, and. Another another tough one. I was like, oh, like eleven strikeouts, and it just feels like it goes to waste. Yeah.
0: Uh, but hey, I will say though, at least um, Pomerantz is looking good. If you want to have take a high note from this game, I know um, great. I, yeah. obviously Odorizzi pitched well, and that's kind of reason why he lost. There was a pitcher's duel. You know, win those all those games, um, but. Pomerantz looked really good, and I think, and I know we're going to touch on him later, but he's really coming in, into his own here. I think he's getting used to pitching in Boston. I think he's going to be solid for you as a fourth starter, maybe a third starter, depending on what happens in September, Um, come, come the playoffs if they do make it.
2: When they yeah. make it.
0: Well, yeah, when they make it. Big if. <laughs> They've been in last too many times. Big if. I'm just going to say if until it's there.
1: Well, Pomerantz has pitched great, and he's definitely settled in. So this was tough. I mean, Split the series. Lauren got that right once again. Um, but it was just, yeah, it's easily could have been a sweep. Easily could have been three out of four. It's always tough when you lose these games. Two one-run games on a road series. Yep. You know, so hot beforehand. It's just, thoughts oh, tough. But, you know, it happens. You get one run wins, you get one run losses. Uh, brought us into Friday against Kansas City. And on top of the two losses already, this one was a tough one because it was another loss. 6-3 to the Royals. Uh, the Royals were in control of this entire game because Stephen Wright came back off the DL. He gave up five runs in the first inning. It's too bad because clearly it was just rust because he pitched the next five innings and it was totally fine. He didn't give up any more runs. He was on his game. So it's a shame that this happened because it was all in the first inning. Two home runs in the first inning. Eric Hosmer, three-run job. Alex Gordon, two-run job. And, you know, before you even come up to bat, you're down 5 nothing. And the fact that he pitched well afterwards just made it even worse because the offense stranded. So many base runners. We had three <laughs> runs on 15 hits. Dustin Bedroy was four for four. Mookie Betts was five for five. Xander Bogarts was three for five. And we got three runs. Yeah, This, this was, was a- such a winnable game, but we were never in control because we were down so much early, and just couldn't score.
0: This was a game where it's like, you set, have everything set up for a good comeback, a solid win, you steal a game um, against a really good team, and you leave that many people on base with two guys going nine for nine combined. Like it's just crazy how this happened. Um, like you said though, Jess, Casey was in command the entire game. They were in control and they shut down the Red Sox when they when they needed to the most. So obviously give them credit, but um, I think the Red Sox, as much as they were down a lot of this game, they really let this one slip away.
2: Yeah, they did, and it it slipped away early with you know Wright giving up five runs in the first, and it was just. Ugly start for him and ugly loss. And, ugh. I don't even want to talk about it.
1: As frustrating as the two games against Tampa Bay were, this one was the worst. Because like you said, Jared, you get two players going nine for nine, you get 15 hits, and, you, and you're down six to two in the ninth inning? Like, come on. That's, that's more frustrating than anything.
0: <laughs> you can't say you lose that many of those kind of games when you have two guys combined nine for nine with the team having 15 hits, and you still lose by three runs.
1: Right. Six more hits than they did. Come on. oh. It was maddening, especially after losing those two games. Just that cherry on top. I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Awful. That was that was my thought process when it happened. <laughs> Fortunately, guys, after a three-game losing streak and a bad stretch, Saturday's game was awesome. 8-3 win over Kansas City. Um, three home runs. One for Bogars, one for Betts, one for Hanley Ramirez. And obviously... The story of this game, and this will—that's—this will definitely lead into uh, the beginning of our segment here. Uh, Dustin Pedroia was four for five again, and before his out in the ninth inning, he had hit in eleven straight at bats. He reached base twelve straight times, and he was eleven for his last eleven. That's nuts.
0: Yeah, it's, and I, we'll definitely talk about more because I think the reason why he, I think the reason why he lost it was he found out about it. But it's kind of funny how he found out about it. But we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yes. The fact that, and I obviously want to talk about Pedroia, but Betts and Hanley Ramirez went back-to-back for their homers, and the Red Sox were a couple feet from going back-to-back-to-back because David Ortiz um, put a ball as far as he possibly could without it going over the fence in this game right before Betts hit his. Um, So they were all over this team in that inning, and it could have easily been back-to-back-to-back.
1: Yeah, they, they could have. And uh, Danny Duffy was one of the best was pitching one of the best in the league at this point. He's eleven and one with a two sixty six ERA and the Sox got nine hits and seven runs off the guy. So if that doesn't tell you <laughs> tell you what you need to know, nothing does because the offense was just happening in this game. Homer's everywhere, hits everywhere. And unlike Friday, the hits actually turn into runs.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's complete opposite of what you expected. You had the hits in this game, and you actually produced. Whereas, like you said, Friday, we're begging for a couple of these more runs to kind of cross the plate, um, and it just didn't it didn't work out, which is really annoying. But this game, obviously on Saturday, um, they kind of made up for Friday for sure.
2: Yeah, and that was it was nice to come back with a win after those two losses, and it was nice to the offense and just. So, just Good, solid game. I enjoyed that game.
1: So, of course. All right, so they're playing right now, so we have, don't have the final for that yet. Unfortunately, the Sox are now down 6-4. to four. They've gotten four runs in the sixth inning at this point. Uh, Raul Modesty just got a 3-RBI triple. So things are not going so well at the moment, but at the moment, 3-3 three and three this week. Um, Lauren got the race series right. If the Sox win this game, she'll get the week completely right for the second straight week. If they don't win, me and Jared will get this series right, but we didn't get the other series right. So we're all right around the mark once again, as we usually are, because we're good at predicting. Um, But your MVP this week, is obviously, I don't even care. I didn't look at anybody else on the team because nobody's beaten this. Dust Madre, and especially since he's not playing tonight because of a family issue, his final stats for the week were 15 for 25 for a 600 average, five runs, three RBI, and obviously 11 straight hits, which is one short of tying MLB record. I don't care if anyone else did. I know Bogart's had a good week, but no one's beaten that.
0: No, they're not. No. I think it's just this week panned out in the sense of um, if it wasn't for Justin Pedroia, a lot of other guys could have done MVP for us this week, but hands down had to be Pedroia.
2: Yeah, I mean, just as soon as you said 15 for 25, 600 average, it's like, "Oh, okay, well that's all I need to know."
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nobody's beating a 600 average. That's that's pretty hard to do because, you know, nobody gets 11 straight hits because that's kind of hard to do also.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it um it's tough to do. Obviously, Dustin Major very um deserving of the MVP for sure. Um there's your recap for the week. Uh of course, lovely to always always from Jess thomas um sadly you will not get that recap next week because he's not here and if i try to do it it just doesn't work out too
1: well so you know what though you are pretty good at it i've been impressed a couple times you've done it
0: we'll just get a general recap we don't do too in detail we just kind of talk about everything
1: but um
0: i pre- i'm impressed that you complimented me i'll go i'll take that
1: <laughs> i know that's a rare thing so you should really enjoy that
0: <laughs> i will take it to heart we have it on recording so we know what happened um But, of course, uh, his recap was brought to you by SeatGeek. And, of course, don't forget to use the promo code uh, RSB when you want to get your $20 off your first ticket purchase. uh, Get your $20 rebate when you use that RSB code. Guys, big talk of this week has to be have to start with Dustin Pedroia in terms of news around the team and just talk talking points. Um, and I wanted to touch on this because obviously going into that at-bat, um, he was 11 for 11, going for 12 for 12. And I'm sure you two heard about this, but I know that some people might not have not heard about this. He found out about the streak when he went to pee before he took his next at-bat. So he had no idea he was 11 for 11 and was going for the streak. He went down to pee before he was to hit. And then heard it on the radio because they play the radio, like in the clubhouse and things like that. And then he went to hit and took first pitch swing and grabbed it out.
1: Which he rarely does. <laughs> which he rarely does. <laughs> so, which is funny. Yeah, he probably he didn't want know. the pressure of it.
0: Yeah. So you know he had no idea. Um, and he that's what he claimed after the game was that he found out when he went to the bathroom before the game before the inning started.
2: That's funny. I love finding out how players realize like or find out something about themselves or their team. So. To hear that, it's kind of. I mean, it sucks that his streak ended after that, but it, I, just, I like how they find out about these things.
1: Yeah, it's a great little story. I actually saw that. Yeah, I saw when you retweeted that, Jared. So I found out <laughs> from you on that. I figured great you Great story. <laughs> yeah, no, you you broke the news to me, so thank you. Um, yeah, that was that was hilarious. But you know, those those streaks do put pressure on you, and you would have thought that he'd think he was pretty close to it because he's probably aware that he's hitting the absolute crap out of the ball right now, so I don't know if I believe him. I believe him that he doesn't know exactly what's happening, but he knows how hot he was, that's for sure, and uh, are you guys ready for me to go on my 25-minute rant about him?
0: You, you, by all
1: means, because you know
0: what I'm going to say, so...
1: I don't. What are you going to say? That he was awesome, and there's nothing to complain oh, okay. about. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I'll go in more depth. This guy is so good. I don't... Every... All these years, he's been hurt, and clearly his... His numbers have gone down because he's been hurt. But everyone doubted him. Oh, he's only 33 years old, blah, 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 blah. He's not good anymore. His MVP oh. season was lucky. His rookie year was lucky. He's not that good, blah, blah, blah. You're all fools, you know, because this guy is so hot. He hits the crap out of the ball. He's hitting all line drives. Such solid hits. His outs are solidly hit. He's so locked in right now. And they're missing him right now in this game that's happening currently because he's not playing. And this he's hotter than the sun right now. He's Nothing he's doing is weak. Everything, strong hits, great defensive plays, so many singles, big hits. This guy's on absolute fire. And anybody who doubted him should really look in the mirror and consider their life because... Everyone, how could wow. you not know that this guy was going to absolutely destroy the ball this year? Because he's healthy, he feels good, I don't care how old he is, this guy's in good shape, and we knew he could do this, so I, I'm really putting a lot of shame on all these people who doubted him, because this guy is freaking awesome. Done. And rant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, Jess, you're right. Like, There are a lot of people coming into this year, and a lot of people the last few years. Obviously we know he hasn't been healthy the last couple of years, but a lot of people kind of put blinders on when it comes to that stuff, and just go, oh, yeah, like, He's not good anymore. Like, let's trade him. And don't get me wrong. I, I was all for trading him if you got something really good for him um, because I knew you had Moncada on his way up and things like that. But um, I'm happy they obviously didn't, and I didn't think they really were going to do that. It was just an idea. Um, this guy has been killing it this year. I think it really has shown that he's healthy, um, that his hand is no longer a problem. He's no longer has to sit, go up to the plate, and worry about those kind of things. Um, he can now go to the plate comfortable, ready to go. He's locked in. Um, obviously, we, being away from the team for family reasons, we wish him nothing but the best in terms of mourning. I think it was his father in law. Um, but it's still amazing what he's doing, and obviously we want to get him back as soon as we can uh, because he's going to be key to this team moving forward, being able to succeed the way they have.
2: Especially, Jess, I know you said something about people doubting him because of his age and the inability to stay healthy the last few seasons, so it's nice to see him just kind of go off and have a season like this. And it's funny, you know, 33 doesn't really seem that old, and I know that he's had health problems in the past, like staying healthy, getting injured, but and this is just obvious, a like, clear, obvious sign that he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he's just a powerhouse.
1: Which is funny because he, how hard he plays and how long he's played that hard. I mean, maybe the injuries have extended his career that he'll be able to play longer. But the fact that he plays that hard and he's still playing this well is just awesome in the first place. And honestly, if anyone has learned anything about this guy in the last 10 years, you'd think it would be that you probably shouldn't doubt him because pretty much everything he says is true. Have you, I mean, right? the, the Everything he says pretty much happens. He's pretty smart.
2: He is smart, and I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he just really kind of carries his team on his back. And, like, how can you not just like how he is as a player? Like, everybody wants that kind of player on their team.
1: And he's a really interesting mix, too, of, like quiet and loud like we know he's loud in the clubhouse we know he's annoying we know he gets in everyone we know what kind of leader he is in that way but then when you see him on the field like doing this stuff he's getting completely overshadowed this year he's totally fine with it he says what he needs to say you know. post-game interview yeah i'm just trying to get my chan- team a chance to win the game you know put in a good at bad i don't care about the streaks the stats whatever i just go out there and play like so he's, he's a really interesting mix of like in your face and cocky and loud. And then at the same time, like completely in the background and like just a complete team player and someone you mm-hmm. don't even notice. He right? can turn
0: it on both ways. He's a hardo when he needs to be. Um, and he can get in your face and he can be that dirt dog that we love. Um, but like you said, he can also be that behind-the-scenes team guy like Bogarts is all the time. Um, he can do that when he wants to as well. So that's why, and that's why he's done so well here for so long, because Someone who is hardo all the time isn't necessarily good in Boston, but someone who is really quiet all the time isn't necessarily always good in Boston either. But when you can turn it on and off like that, um, that's why fans love him here, and that's why he's done so well here, because of that factor.
1: Which is why we need to play him as long as he's able to play, because whatever on cut, it's going to be, and I don't doubt that he won't be a really good player. He very well may be, but there's not a lot of guys ever like Pedroya. So we need to soak this guy for all he's worth because there's probably a pretty good chance that is not going to be what he is.
0: No, but you can always put Moncada at third. That's what they clearly want him to do.
1: Oh, fine. If they do that, I don't give a crap. Just don't replace Pedro with well, him no. or I'm going to throw won't. Re-
0: they won't will not be off the spot until he is either retires or he's too old to move. Um, whatever comes first. So... You've seen Moncada being placed at third base and doing all that. I think you're going to see him come September call-ups and I think that he is going to be your third baseman
1: maybe even next year.
2: I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, with the way Shaw's playing recently, it might be. And it's too bad Shaw played so well and he unseated Sandoval and it's just his averages is just not there right now.
0: But also, Sandoval's in the picture still. I don't know if they're going to really get rid of him. So he's on the team next year, guys. So we have to remember that as well. And right. Obviously, we don't really need to dive into him until the time comes in the offseason. But pictures have surfaced recently of him who clearly have, has lost weight and is leaning up and claims he learned from his mistakes. So, I mean, maybe this time off has helped Pablo Sandoval and he's going to come back to what he should be. So he's a huge factor in this offseason whether they want to give him a second chance or not um, with this situation coming next year or they try to find someone to take him. That remains to be seen. And that's obviously something that we can talk more about come off season when there's nothing else to talk about. But um, that's a picture kind of that we have paint as well.
1: Well, yeah, because if he is, like, say, like a Hanley Ramirez year, I mean, I think people would be really happy if Pablo played the way that Hanley's played this year coming off of bad last year.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But one thing that we have been keeping an eye on um, is Clay Buckles because. As much as I hate to say it, he's pitched really well. He's hit he the last couple of starts that he had to give back in the rotation. Obviously, he's back in the bullpen now. Um, we know he pitched well. We, we know that. We This is the time of year where he typically does this, where he likes to kind of give us all false hope. Um, so I'm still not one to sit here and, say, oh, sign him for five more years. He's back to being Claybaugh Colts from the no-hitter year. Like, no, stop it. That's not good enough. But is it? was it the right move when he's been pitching this well to put him back in the bullpen?
2: No. No.
0: See, Uh. I disagree with you obviously Um, but I think that the reasoning is it makes sense for me Um, I actually agree with John Farrell on the move he made um, because you need something decent in that bullpen Um, you need a guy who if something goes wrong with these starters that you can trust you're not going to put Eduardo Rodriguez in the bullpen Stephen Wright would not be good out of the bullpen Clay Buckles has proven that he's okay okay out of the bullpen enough to not worry about handing him the ball. John Farrell gave him the ball in the eighth inning over Ziegler um, the other night, and that was ridiculous in itself, but he did well. He's been doing well out of the bullpen, and I think going to the bullpen has really helped him keep things simple, take games inning by inning, because in the bullpen, that's all you have. Um, So I think that's why he pitched so well in the starts, but... Right now, you have a rotation, and Clay Blackhose doesn't fit in it. Um, And out of everyone that's available as a starting pitcher, he makes the most sense in the bullpen.
1: Well, I may agree with you until tonight when we saw Roy Rodriguez completely stink up the joint. So (laughs) now that he's back from another injury and back to pitching terribly like he did after the last injury, clearly the guy can't seem to get it together after he gets injured. And... Clay seems a little more consistent at this point than Erod, and Erod seems to have a little trouble getting his head on straight. So, um, yeah, I don't want him in the bullpen either. So yeah, let's drop the, Erod to Pawtucket and start Clay. See,
0: well, there's also not more Pawtucket in like a week, so have to remember that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, you I also Sit have, him
1: down. You can s- sit for a month.
0: The thing is, you need stability, and I hate to put stability and Clay buckles in the same sentence. But you need stability in the bullpen and it rotter you don't we're also going to add hard at the arms from at this point. You need someone out there who can eat up a couple innings here and there um, and really has the longevity of a starter in case something goes wrong. If clay buckhole starts and sucks, you have no options. you have nothing um, at least having Buckles in the bullpen, you have someone who can back up say this kind of start from Rodriguez. Um, if Steven Wright has issues when it gets rainy or if it's still hot out, like you need somebody back there who can pitch a few innings, I'd rather put Clay Buckles in for four innings than Matt, try to rely on Matt Barnes for four innings.
2: Yeah, they tried to rely on Matt Barnes tonight and
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: not good. But I mean, I can definitely see both your points. Obviously, I would prefer Buckles on the mound as a starter right now, especially after watching this game currently right now. And to have the stability that Buckles has shown the last few starts and the consistency, that's the biggest thing. Erod hasn't been consistent, and like you said, Jess, coming off an injury, he can't seem to get it together. And I don't think he has any confidence in himself after an injury, whether that's him not being 100% or him not trusting whatever may be injured. And I know a hamstring, it hurts even if, whether you pull it, whether you tweak it, it, it hurts, and it may hurt for a week, two weeks, a month, and it's hard to to earn like kind of like your knee. It's when you when you don't trust something in your leg, it's really hard to be mentally prepared to go out there and do what you're supposed to do. But
1: so if clearly you're not, be pitching
2: right, exactly. <laughs> so if, if you feel that way, you shouldn't be out there. And it's that this could have been a game where Buckles could could have pitched and could have gone... I mean, it could have gone the same way it's going now. It could have gone tremendously better. We we won't know, but just with the consistency Buckles has shown, I would want him on the mound over Erod. Or, and it's nice to have that back Like you said, if the weather gets bad for right or one of our starters just kind of implodes, kind of like tonight, it's nice to have Buckles in the bullpen for that, but... I'd rather have him go eight innings than go three innings.
1: This, this is just crazy. music this is music to my ears to just hear us talk about stability and consistency. <laughs> consistency and clay buckle. It's all in the same sentence. You don't know how happy this is making me.
2: <laughs> I can hear the smile in your voice.
1: Yeah, yes. you're like smile. I can hear you smiling. That's how happy
0: I know you are right now. Um, I am. It's like gold. Guys, I, I, I heard something over the last week. So this isn't an original question, but I was curious to see what you guys thought about this. Um, I've heard a lot of people bring up the fact... That Eduardo Rodriguez might just be the new Clay holes in terms of a mental case, who isn't really doesn't really have a pair in between his legs, um, and <laughs> mentally can't do it. Um, and it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Like Eduardo Rodriguez tells somebody last minute that he doesn't feel okay to pitch, and it was something that was kind of minor and um, like things like that. He mentally checks out; he's not mentally tough. It makes sense, but do you guys see it at
1: all? Yeah, I mean, kind of. He he seems kind of fragile and he seems to, yeah, it's, it's weird how he has no confidence in himself after coming back from an injury because you think most guys, they stay out until they're confident in themselves. Then they come back and they just pitch through it because they're professional athletes and they realize, okay, I'm back now. So if I am pitching, I need to pitch because yep. I'm pitching. That's what I'm doing. And he just, for some reason, he, he just looks really weird every time he comes back from an injury. and I mean, he really he really picked it up and turned it around the last time, and then he got hurt again. And, and the thing is, I saw something again after – you guys probably saw this too. After he came out – a couple of days after his hamstring injury and he came out after the no-hitter of four innings, he, they said that he was experiencing it beforehand. He waited too long to tell the staff – and he's going to learn from his mistake. So that's another thing where it's like, oh, he was immature. He wasn't smart. He dis- isn't taking as care of his body, and he should have said that before. That seems like it's happening too much, and all these injuries and question marks are happening too much. I, maybe it's just super immature. I don't know. It's kind of weird.
2: If it, yeah, they can call it immature, and I can didn't Joe Kelly not say anything about his shoulder? He did the same Last thing. He, got, he went out and he's like, "Yeah, I was experiencing pain before him, but I never said anything." But it's and like, Joe Kelly's stupid. pretty soft,
0: isn't he? Joe Kelly's a pretty soft dude in, just, in the head, super super soft,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's, it just blows my mind where it's like, no matter what kind of discomfort you're feeling, that doesn't automatically mean the John Farrell will be like, "All right, you're out, you're not starting tonight." Like he, whoever you, you're gonna tell, like it could be a serious injury, and it just drives me insane. Where it's like they're not complaining of, oh, like I have a hangnail, it hurts, like. These are legitimate injuries where it's costing us games. It's it's costing us players, and it's like how hard is it just to be like, "Ow, something isn't right."
1: Especially if you're thinking about who we're talking about. They have the greatest staff, trainers, healers, everything. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? We're in Boston. And it's in a professional sporting team. What the heck more do you want? You go there. You take care of the injury. If you say if you talk about it before it's bad, then you get it fixed. And then it's not bad afterwards, as opposed Amazing to sitting there works. waiting, not t- saying about it, getting hurt, coming out of the game, going on the DL. Just take care of it before it happens. We're in freaking Boston. Come on.
2: Especially, you have, like, the you know, Boston shoulder. And, Bo- like, these, these guys specialize in shoulders and knees. And it's like, why aren't you just taking advantage of it? Like, these guys are gurus. And you have... Like, you have the most, like, unlimited access to, you said, just the staff, the trainers, the hospitals we have here. It's, just, like, it blows my mind that, and especially if you have an injury to your arm or your leg, something that a pitcher, especially, needs both of those. And you wouldn't say anything, and you would just be like, oh, I can fight through it. Like, I know these guys know their body. Apparently, maybe they, some don't know their bodies, but I know not some... Not the soft people, ones. Not the soft ones. They know what they can <laughs> handle. They know, like, what... They know the difference between, like, oh, it's just sore or I just need to stretch more or this could be this could turn into something serious. I feel like they should really know it at, at this point either in their careers or just ever. I mean, if I don't feel well enough to do something, I'm not going to try to do it. If it's going to push myself over the limit, I'm not going to go out there and try to squat 200 pounds when I know I can't but be like, I know my body.
0: It's really dumb to see... Um Eduardo Rodriguez do that kind of stuff because he's prized as this guy who's supposed to be good. He's supposed to be a stud. That's why we trade Andrew Miller for the guy. And then mentally, like, don't you think the Red Sox would have any clue that he was mentally like this? Because there had to be some signs of this. It's not like this guy overnight just becomes mentally weak in the next Clay Bock
1: Yeah, it does make you question what what they did know about him, but it's – yeah, and it's, I see it from his side. Like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as injury-prone and stuff. But then it just happens, and then you look worse after it, and then you're injury-prone anyway. What difference if, does it make?
0: You've learned this lesson from high school sports on. Tell your coach you're hurt, because if you don't, because you want to play, you're going to keep getting hurt, and it's going to make it ten times worse. We've all learned that from day one playing sports. When we were little, through high school, um, I know I had the same athletic trainer for four years, and he told us every year, if you're hurt, tell us because if you don't you're going to make it worse and then you'll be out for a year if not longer like it's just that's that thing you learn when you're younger that he just clearly didn't ever learn
2: yep and same thing i remember i played softball my whole life and in eighth grade i got hit with a pitch and it broke my ankle in three different three different places but when i initially got hit i just walked it off and i was like no i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and then it took me like two weeks for my mom to be like something's wrong. And I'm like, yep, everything's wrong. Can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: everything's wrong. Everything is it. wrong with my ankle.
2: Everything. Everything was absolutely wrong. But, you know, I, being in eighth grade, I was 13, 14 years old. But I mean, I should have said something and I played the rest of the season and I should have said, you know, some, I, my ankle hurts or I guess I, I was I wasn't pitching well. Same thing. I was running slow. I wasn't stealing as much as I did because my ankle was broken.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I had an ankle injury, too, and I ended up having surgery because I broke it, and they told me it was sprained, so I walked on it. I said, you know what? This doesn't feel too good because, you know, humans have <laughs> intuition of, like, oh, yeah, this hurts. This doesn't feel right. This isn't right. I knew it wasn't right, so I got it fixed. So, it's, yeah, it's just in general, these guys want to be seen as tough guys. Oh, I got drilled with a 97-mile-per-hour pitch. I'm a tough guy. I'm going to stay in that game. Or you could leave, get it fixed, go to the best trainers in the world, come back and be fine the next day.
0: And speaking of injuries, good transition, guys. Um, yes. Andrew Benatendi, who none of us probably thought he was going to be on this team beginning of the year. Um, now, his injury is key to this team's success. Uh, we're all sitting here... Mm, uh, things change. Yeah, it's amazing how that worked out. Um, obviously, uh, if you hadn't heard, the Red Sox have dodged the bullet. They said it wasn't anything structural. Uh, it didn't look like there was any ACL or anything like that. It's just really like swollen and strained uh, in terms of his knees. So... Good news there, it sounds like, according to John Farrell, that he's going to be back before the end of the season, which means hopefully end of September, into the playoffs, if and when this team makes the playoffs. Um, But obviously the Red Sox escaped with really good news today, guys.
1: It's hilarious. It's like this guy's not even playing a couple months ago, and then he comes in. He plays really well for a couple weeks, and then it's like, oh, my God, Andrew Benettoni's injured. What are we ever going to do? How do we play without this guy? I don't know what to do. It's incredible how fast it changes.
2: It, it was funny. I saw a tweet right after he got after he got hurt, and people were freaking out. And then they lost the two games after he was injured. And somebody tweeted out, "The Road Dogs are zero and two since Ben Benintendi got hurt. Coincidence? I think not." And I was like, "Oh God, here we go.
1: Here we like, go." That's such a pink hat reaction. Like
2: we ha- because we had no idea how to win without him. I yeah, forgot
1: he's not David Ortiz. He's not Dustin Bedroy. He's not Xander Boharts, He's not Mookie Betts. He's not Rick Porcello. He's not Stephen Wright. <laughs> Come he on.
0: Right now, oh, I, under- I understand it. Like he's young, he's exciting to watch. But Chris Young's pretty good too, guys. Like he's back, he's healthy, and he's coming back. And look, John Farrell has already said that Benatenny going to play if he's healthy, and, he's, and, he's, and he doesn't want to platoon him by any means. So, um, but Chris Young's back. He was good before the injury. Shouldn't we be more excited about? Obviously, we don't want the guy to be hurt, but like, shouldn't we be pretty excited that a guy who was doing pretty well before his injury is back and playing pretty well?
1: Yeah, it worked really well in terms of a, in terms of timing. <laughs> Young missed all that; he missed all that time, all those games, and then boom, Ben Attendee's heard. Hey, Chris Young's back. It worked out great. And in the grand scheme of things, like at this point in their careers, with Young being older, Ben Benatany being newer, there's probably not a whole lot of difference between the two guys if you really think about it.
0: No, but it also saved John Farrell making another tough decision that he probably would have messed up. Sure. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's funny when you say they're kind of like the same, like in. Young, young being older and Benintendi being younger, how they're kind of the same in that aspect. So it, it's funny to think of it that way. And who knows? If, I mean, I'm glad that Benintendi doesn't have something serious, especially to a knee, especially at such a young age. But it's um, it's just it's crazy how so many people jumped on the on the bandwagon, which is fine. Like he, he was he's did amazing for the few games he was able to play for us. But who knows? He could have just if he continued to play, he could be on he could be in a slump right now and people just are so quick which is fun like I, he's he's been so much fun to watch absolutely a joy to watch but people are just so quick to to blame him almost for like the red sox losses it's like oh no it's it's not it's not his fault
1: it's sean farrell yeah it's like i would yeah everything's sean farrell's fault <laughs> really was, it really is i was more worried when he got hurt i was more in the thought process of like Oh no, he's hurt. Like it's too bad, but like, he's just came up like right at the beginning of his career. What a shame it would be to get some really horrible injury that would take ten months to heal. That was my thought. Not oh my god, we're not going to win games anymore because Ben Attendee's Tendy's out. You know? Yeah,
2: I was yeah. like, I hope that's not an ACL because I mean, I thought it was his ankle. I can yeah. watch that a hundred times like, over. That looked like it, he rolled his ankle and then. But what was reassuring? The whole... The entire time was that he walked off the field. That was I was like I wasn't like, no, we're gonna lose games. I'm like, okay, he walked off the field. He's gonna be okay.
0: Yeah, what I first saw too, like obviously it looked worse than it was, but um my first thought was, Okay, let's see how this kid bounces back from a serious injury. Maybe maybe we have to wait till spring training to see him again. But you know what? Like let's see how this let's see what the kind of mental makeup this kid's got.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anybody blaming this any losses on the loss of him or they were a way worse team because he's hurt and stuff. I'm sorry, he did not play long enough to know that in any shape or form.
0: No, absolutely no. stupid. D- definitely not a good um, excuse for saying anything about Andrew Betteny and those people who don't watch the team every day. Um, one thing that I think is something that we didn't really touch on yet, but obviously you had th- those four games against Tampa and obviously just recapped them earlier in the show, but we didn't really touch on how disappointing it really was to only take two from a Tampa Bay Rays team where you, might, you you really had the opportunity to take at least three, if not four, um, from that team. Um, obviously not a terrible road trip still, but overall they should have done better against the Tampa team. That just isn't good.
2: Yeah, and this is the thing with the Red Sox. They can beat really good teams, but they lose these games to to bad teams, and they lose them. It's either like a blowout or the... the one run losses that we saw last week. It's never like a seven to seven to five, seven to four. It's like fourteen to two or a two to one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's and this kind of stuff's so weird. It's such a fleeting feeling because coming into the last two games of the trip against Tampa Bay, the Sox were seven and two. They could have gone nine and two if they won those last two games, which is incredible. As it happened, they finished at seven and four. Which, obviously, any before the trip, you would have said, oh, that would be an oh, incredible course. road trip. Afterwards, you still say, wow, that's a really good road trip. But you have that sour taste in your mouth because you lost the last two games. So it's, like, it's weird how that works. Like It was still a really successful road trip and a challenging road trip in all those different cities. But the fact that you lose the last two games, you're just kind of like, uh, Especially where so you, know? you have
0: two games that are really close. Um, you won yeah. on Tuesday night, like we talked about earlier. Then you have that game where Ortiz hit his 30th home run had that big game and then that tough loss with the error of course and then you have Pomerantz pitch so well in the pitchers duel and you can't win that game either and it's like these are kind of games that you're going to have to win within the next month to really to win this division because now Toronto's been lights out um they won again today on Sunday so you realistically are going to be probably two games back after this weekend and now you got to win every close game you're in because you got a month left um before you have to really start thinking about who you're playing in that one-game wild card.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, all the games are important, so when you lose one-run games on drop balls and errors and one hit against a guy who hasn't gotten a hit in a month, those are the ones you want to win, and unfortunately, it's baseball losses do happen, but when you have the game in control, you really got to lock it down. Yeah, you really do. Yeah,
2: and the next next six weeks is going to be huge for them, and there's really no room for error, no pun intended, but oh, oh, you none.
0: totally intended that. <laughs> you intended that pun, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah you, pun intended. Meant, you were
0: thinking about that while we were talking. Like, you were trying yeah, to Yeah, I, I
2: wrote it down. It's, it's, I wrote it down and everything, so I would remember to say it. <laughs> but, you know, these these next next six weeks are going to be huge, and it's especially if the Blue Jays are going to keep winning, then we need to step up our game and keep winning, too.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. And they they haven't stopped. So I think really right now, the way Baltimore has looked, and um, I, th- I think it's going to be us and Toronto fighting for that division. Um, guys, I wouldn't be shocked if the standings held Pat the way they are, and you're playing Baltimore in that one-game wild card. Um, Ooh, that'd be fun. And that'd be fun. And I don't know if I really want to deal with that, because I hate playing Baltimore for some reason. But, um, hey, we beat them both games in the road trip. We did. You are correct there. So it would be a fun one-game, um, but I just don't want to deal with that. I'd rather just win the division and be done with it, but... Um, Either way, obviously, we have a month left to really see where this goes. But one story that I wanted to make sure we got to because we didn't last week and just made sure it was in the notes last week. Um, we didn't get to it. Um, it, was, it was a story in the Herald um, about John Henry, um, and he basically supported John Farrell. He's standing behind John Farrell. He knows they're getting criticism. He's getting criticism. Um, I obviously like an owner supporting the guy that he chooses, but like that means it makes John Henry look kind of dumb to me because – As much as I know you guys like John Farrell as a manager, um, and some people do, he's had a decent amount of questionable decisions that have cost the Red Sox some games. So to me, I'm not surprised that Henry's staying behind him because he's their manager right now, and he's not one to kind of trash people publicly. That would be more of a Dombrowski thing if it was to happen, but it's just not a good look for Henry, is it?
2: I mean, I think Henry's done other things to put him in a worse hole than standing behind John Farrell. And
0: That's true. He bought Liverpool.
2: So <laughs> he, he bought Liverpool, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's, I, I expect I kind of expect this to, when John Farrell, yes, he's made questionable des- decisions. I could see if John Henry will come out and be like say something on the opposite end of this if the Red Sox were, were not in a pennant race Looking to make a playoff push, if their record was reversed, I think Henry wouldn't have made the comments he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's you can make the case to stand behind Farrell because of the record. Because, and I know, like I said, I know there's been questionable decisions, but every manager makes these kinds of decisions. And I mean, I'll, I'll stand behind my manager if he's if this is going to be how it's going to be for the rest of the season. <laughs> I'll stand right behind. Him.
1: No, I understand what he's saying because he said that the criticism of, of of John Farrell was, quote, mainly a radio and internet thing. And I totally see what he's saying because I've said that in past shows where, like, the team is well over 500 and all the fans, all the radio, all the, you know, all the bloggers, everybody has been crapping all over them. And there's a negative aspect to the team because those people are doing those things. But like he said, and like anyone could notice, the team and the management and all that, nobody's really said anything about how he's done they all seem to be in support it's just all the fans and all the people who just talk constantly and people who do shows like us and everything who have constantly been crapping on every single thing he does so it makes sense that he would say that because on i mean no i don't like john henry no one really likes john henry but it kind of makes sense what he's saying
0: yeah it does but like at the same time what media story like what media craze or like rumor or something doesn't start with us here in the media you know because right think about that yeah Like, think about transition. Just I hate, again, it's a Red Sox podcast, but think about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. There's no negativity in that locker room. There's nothing gets out for the most part unless they want it to get out. Um, But who nitpicks anything about the Patriots offensive line or anything like that? More than people in the radio who talk about it every week. Who talks about David Ortiz having a slump, even though he doesn't this year, but, like, who talks about Stephen Wright being terrible in weather? Who talks about Clay Buckles being a joke nine times out of ten? Like, it's... The media who starts these it's stories, always, that's what, it's right. their job. Like, that's what we're paid to do. So, yeah. I understand why John Ferry's is saying that's where it starts, but of course that's where it started because we're all stories start.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I guess what he was, he was just trying to clear up the fact that the team doesn't think Farrell's bad, just all the fans and everybody talking about it does.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see and come the offseason what they really liked, what they really see in John Farrell. Yeah, playing. no, you're right. That'll be interesting. Because <laughs> I think. Whether they make the playoffs or not, I think, is irrelevant. I, I hate the idea of, uh, well, if they miss the playoffs, you got to fire them. I mean, I think that they should fire them, obviously, either way, but they have to kind of stick by them, one way or the other. It needs to be either we like John Farrell regardless of how they finish this year, we like the way he handles the Red Sox clubhouse, yada, yada, yada or either way, they don't want them. It's re- they really just got to make up their mind whether, however the season ends.
1: Of course, that's not how it works.
0: <laughs> no, it's not, but it's just...
1: Because you know it's going to be that. They don't make the playoffs. All right, screw them. They make the playoffs. Hey, he's the best manager ever. It's always it, how it works. Oh, you it's know so it's how stupid. it works. But it's, it's just so not the way dumb. it
0: should work. Um, because no, it it's easier to fire a manager than it is a whole team. When that's I've said that all the time. It's just, in sports, it's easier to fire a coach or a manager than to fire your entire team and start over. Because you can't do it. So that's kind of where this team's at. And that's where all teams are at. So it's just it's something to keep an eye on. Um, and... It's really tough, but I think they're going to work it out for sure. Um, of course, that's all your Red Sox news. Uh, of course, that is brought to you by Blue Apron. Um, we, all, the three of us use Blue Apron, and, it's, of course, their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the high standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Um, of course, it has a huge impact on the community as well as on the household. Um, cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows... Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot eating out or a high-end grocery chains can now spend under ten dollars per person for a healthy, delicious meal. Um, guys, we, we say it every week, but we do mean it. Like Blue Apron's super convenient, um, and it, all the food's fresh and it's delicious.
1: I had a Fontina cheese grilled uh, grilled cheese yesterday, and it had like. Pickled scallions that we made inside of it, and then the cheese. Oh my god, was that good?
2: Wow, that's so good. That
1: sounds amazing. It, actually, it didn't even look like it'd be that good when you're looking at it, and then you eat it, and you're like, oh god, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to eat Bridget's sandwich too, but you know, Bridget also, <laughs> so I let her. I let her eat her own sandwich, but oh, god, it was man. good. That's oh my god, funny. it
2: was amazing. I haven't, I haven't tried that, but I did see that that was in the box this week. So the good to know that you really, really like that. So oh my
0: god, hundred times out of hundred. For less than ten dollars per meal, Blue Apron is going to deliver seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, white caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best in food of course they're bringing you variety it's very flexible and it's easy as well and you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping of course by going to blueapron.com slash redsocksbeat uh, you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait again that's blueapron.com slash redsocksbeat uh, blue apron a better way to cook um
1: Dude, you make I'm that right. food sound really good. My Don't God, I? I'm sorry. I, I you're a good talk. spokesman. You're like, have a very talking about talking about taste and about that that food and that mm,
0: that salmon and oh man, you make it sound good. I'm starving. It's like almost 11 o'clock at night as we're recording this, and I'm, I could probably go eat some more food. But I always <laughs> eat. I, I eat a lot. Like I'm my friend's garbage disposal. When they're done with their food, they put it back on my plate. So, um, no wonder if it sounds so good. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm always <laughs> hungry. Um, and that's what Blue Weapon's for. It uh, makes it easier for me to eat right. without having to worry about knowing how to actually cook because they show me how to do it. <laughs> um, but before we get out of here, obviously some kind of news around Major League Baseball as well. And I think the biggest news this week has been uh, Gary Sanchez, um, fastest uh, player to 11 homers in the history of Major League Baseball. And, guys, I don't know what else you can say about Gary Sanchez than just, wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, fastest to 11 home runs, and you think, like, that's a lot. That's a lot of home runs. And to be the fastest person to get there, just, just let that sink in for a second.
1: It's too bad he's in the Yankees, isn't it?
2: I know. I just like, <laughs> I wouldn't are like, what else can we say about him? I want to be like Royds, but again yeah.
0: Yankee. Your natural yeah, instinct I mean, is
1: to see pinstripes and just say Royds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well it's also weird to see a Yankees a young Yankees player actually be good. Yeah, that farm has never been good. Terrible so. farm system. Yeah. So yeah, eleven home runs in twenty three games, that's uh that's insane.
0: Yeah, it's it's something obviously to keep an eye on as he progresses He's not gonna keep on this pace, but it's just it's fun to see young guys who do well in the league. I know he's a Yankee, but like, who cares? They're out of it. Whatever. Um, you can root for I'm Gary like Sanchez. Trevor's story. Yeah, you can root for Gary Sanchez this year, and like, we all love Mike Trout, regardless of how bad that team is. So it's just we root for some guys that we like, regardless of the team they're on. Um, except for Chico wait, Yoke. Jared, that
1: that bad team. Didn't you say the Angels are going to win that division? I did. That was so off. <laughs> that was so wrong. Sorry, I just wanted to. I just want to bring that back up. Now that they're fifty-six and seventy-four. You <laughs> couldn't wait like a few more weeks? Like, just let me have that. Um, no, I was completely off on that.
0: Look, they got—they had some injuries. They had—I don't know what's going on over there, but um, they're terrible. They're an they awful team. I don't understand why, because their roster is not as bad as they are playing. So, um, yeah. but either way, I, I get it. I was really wrong, Jess. Thanks for pointing it out. Um, uh-huh. But uh, funny story—I guess it's really not because you got a DUI for it, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Jeffress did get DY, excuse me, Um, but he also peed on himself, which (laughs) makes it so much funnier.
2: It's like, how stupid can you be, especially like, you know you're going out, you know you're going out to get a few drinks, okay, hey, don't drive, if you're gonna drive, leave your car wherever it is, like, there's Ubers, there's taxis, there's your feet, there's so much you can use.
1: You could pee on yourself and not get a DUI. <laughs> you, can <do> that
2: <laughs> you can be drunk in your own bed and do that. Yeah,
1: you can just sit there and just pee in your bed, soak the bed, <laughs> soak your clothes.
2: And <laughs> wake up and be like, oh my God, what happened? Instead of waking up in a jail cell, i like, oh my God, what the hell happened?
1: Yeah, <laughs> seriously, it's a great way to do it. It's funny, actually. I uh, Somebody at work told me that a rangers pitcher pissed on himself and i was like oh that's interesting didn't know who it was looked at my fantasy team the next day he's on my fantasy team and it said day, day to day and i was like day to day and i clicked on it and it was like jeremy Jeffers gets a dui and i was like oh he was the <laughs> one who pissed on himself <laughs> it was awesome i was like i put the pieces together i was like oh okay i got that stud on my fantasy team yes it's really you had a
2: really good really good day with in fantasy the other day for pitchers and i guess just kind of like your karma for that
1: seriously gotta have that bad guy that the guy who pees on himself he's been <laughs> good this year though. he's had a lot of saves like yeah, it's too bad come on jeffress uh, what are you doing
0: you know how to draft them all don't you jess
1: yeah <laughs> um one other note around the league
0: as well as funny as i could talk about him pissing on himself for hours here but um there was a trade in the league this week as well um carlos ruiz was traded from the phillies to the dodgers uh, essentially for aj ellis um Obviously, not a huge deal, but it, 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 I think it's a good pickup for the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not like a blockbuster trade, and and it kind of flew under the radar. I didn't really hear much about it until it happened today. Actually, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I,
1: the, I think the biggest news on it was just the fact that he'd been on the Phillies his whole career and had been there for ten years. Just because, like, that doesn't happen very much anymore. No,
2: no, there's no loyalty.
1: I know. So I think that was really the big thing about it. It was just like, whoa, a guy who's been on the same team for actually 10 years actually got traded. I'm sure so. he's pretty happy he got off that team, though. Yeah, seriously.
0: Like, he's actually playing for a good team now. So um, I'm pretty sure he's okay with it despite being there for 10 years. Um, he did leave I a little so. sweet love note, though, after he left for the Phillies. So that, that's okay. He he understands. <laughs> um <laughs> Obviously, it's time to get out of here, but before we do that, we'd like we do every other week, we're going to make our predictions for the week. Coming up, obviously, after this weekend, you have three against Tampa Bay again, and then three on the road in Oakland. Um, Jess, what do you got going on with the yeah, Rays series?
1: Yeah, um, I think they're going to be angry after splitting that series. They probably should have swept. So, coming and being at home, after most likely losing two out of three of the Royals, unless something dramatically changes in the next two innings here tonight... Um, I'm thinking a sweep. I'm feeling good about it. Home series, I'm going to be there on Tuesday, so they better win that game. And, uh, yeah, I just think between being at home, knowing they need wins, and having the Rays be one of the worst teams in the league, I'm feeling, a good, feeling good about a sweep.
2: I don't think you've predicted a sweep in a while. I think it's been a little little bit since Yeah, you've predicted a sweep. Um, yeah,
0: Lord, I'm your jaw might drop that in a few minutes when he predicts the other series, too.
2: i know i know it's crazy um i'm taking two out of three from the Rays. i think coming home playing the Rays at home is definitely going to help and like you said like i said last week when i picked that they'd split with the Rays, there's always something with a bad team that goes wrong and it's probably going to be another one or two run loss but as much as i want to pick a sweep i think they're gonna they're only gonna win two
0: yeah i Lauren, I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm pretty sure if they had another fourth game on the series, they'd probably split again. (laughs) Um, But there's only three, so I'm going to go with winning two out of three because they're at home. Um, This race team isn't good. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything clearly because they split with them this past week. But um, I got them winning two out of three as well. Um, And then I have them um, sweeping the A's. Um, The A's are just god-awful. And... That makes them obviously for me five and one in the week. I, I think they need a week like this, um, to really kind of k- keep up with Toronto, if not finally get closer and maybe tie them to the lead again in the AL East. I think this is going to be a huge week playing teams who they really should dominate.
1: Lauren, you can go next.
2: Oh, all right. Oh, you're saving your dramatics for the very end, aren't you? I sure am. Um, it's Oakland, so and I know. The, not the best team, Sa- same thing kind of like the Rays, but feeling good about Oakland, so I'm going to go with a sweep for a nice 5-1 and and five and one re- week. Um, I, I was feeling kind of good until the the sixth inning of this game that's currently on as we are recording, because I was like, oh, I'm going to get another series right, and then some, something terrible happens, and that's not going to happen, but I'm feeling pretty good about Oakland. Um, I don't know. I just think, I know they're there, so it's another West Coast road trip, but I've I have a good feeling about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Rays are worse than the A's, but it's pretty close. The Rays are 55 and 74. The A's are 57 and 73. They're both terrible. Negative 88 run differential for the, oh. uh, the, Ray, uh, the A's, though, which is really bad. Um, so, you know, off day on Thursday. Nice little West Coast swing against a really bad team coming off a sweep. It's right, people. You probably guessed it at this point right, <laughs> the, uh, the dramatics of the other ones here. Uh, I'm picking another sweep. Sweep the A's as well. 6-0 and against garbage teams. They're going to do what they need to do. They're going to take care of business. They're going to need a little rest in between it. And they're going to come back after they lose this game tonight. They're going to come back with a nice 78-58 and record. We're going to be feeling pretty good then. Got to take advantage of this week. Bad yes. teams. Horrible teams. 6-0. Count it. See... Jess, I was
0: almost inclined to agree with you on this Um, and go 6-0, but um, something always happens against bad teams like Lauren said, Um, and I just don't think the A's are OK, well, let's put it this way. The A's are really bad. Um, the Rays are just bad. So I'm, I'm, I picked you to lose a game against the Rays because they, if it they was against the A's, might as well just pack up and go home because you're terrible.
1: Um, I guess so, you have kind of a point because the Rays have a worst record, but they have a negative 16 run differential instead of negative 88. And they play yeah. in a tougher divisions. So the A's are a worse. I guess by they, far.
0: maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I Either way, we're sleeping both of them. I did want to pick a sweep, Jess. So I, I understand the gut feeling there, and you're clearly going with that gut. Um, so I'm hoping you're right. I really want you to be right because a six in a week is what this team needs um, to really awesome. jump, jump themselves back up. I know it's, it's probably going to be two games after this game against here on Sunday Night Baseball. So um, Two and a half it?
1: games. Is it, I thought it was only nope, a game No, never in mind. No, nope, you're right. It was a game coming Cause their game, right? Because yeah. their game happened. Yeah.
0: So it'll be two games going into this week. So obviously they need a big week here. And hopefully, obviously Toronto does some well because we're at that point of the year, guys, where we have to start doing some scoreboard watching um, to really keep an eye on the rest of the division. So um, there you go. Jess has them going 6-0. Lauren has them going 5-1. Uh, and I have them going 5-1 as well. Um, and there you go. Another week in the books here on Red Sox Beat. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Keeping you updated, of course. Don't forget about the written coverage on the site as well, led by our fearless leader on the written coverage, Jess Thomas. Uh, Lauren Campbell's
1: part Thank of that you. as well. Um, don't forget and about Lauren the- Campbell fills in when Jess Thomas can't do it, so give her some credit too.
0: No, uh, vice chair, vice in charge. <laughs> um, so Fair. obviously, don't miss the recaps. Don't miss all the good written coverage as well to go along with this wonderful podcast. Um, that being said, this is it. We'll be back next week uh, on Seonus Radio, without of course, <laughs> without Jess Thomas. It'll be me and Lauren Campbell holding down the floor. We might find a third co-host. We'll see who's around if someone wants to join me and Lauren. Um, if not, it'll be the two of us yapping away. Um, on hopefully on a six and zero week, and Jess, I promise, if you are right, we'll give you your credit. Um,
1: I'll call in, no, I'm
0: just <laughs> and Lauren will hold me to that. I know she will. So um, for now, though, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio.